When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. Uh, just real quick before we get started, a quick reminder for my podcast from Friday or Saturday to, uh, if you're interested, join me over at Delphia if you want to know more about what that's about. I'm not going to go into it right now, but there's a link down below in the uh, description as well as the comment section over on YouTube. But what I want to talk about today is, is some parallels between today's financial system and uh, the the geopolitical I guess, situation uh, back prior to and at the beginning of World War One. So I'll start off with this. So I recently started listening to a new podcast by the name of Hardcore History, uh, uh, put on by a guy by the name of Dan Carlin. And it is a commitment, a time commitment. I'm, I'm working through one right now. I'm only, I'm only on the first episode. It's about World War One, and, and it's five episodes, but each episode is several hours long, very in-depth, very insightful. And, and of course, you know, at this point, I basically consider myself an, uh, an expert at, at World War I history. Uh, no, I, of course, I'm being facetious. But but the reason I want to, to bring it up is not to talk about how uh, much I know about it at this point, but rather uh, just a, a very interesting parallel that I saw uh, between today's financial system and sort of the geopolitical, the, the structure of alliances and, and diplomacy in Europe uh, just prior to the, the outbreak of World War I, the Great War. Now, of course, we all know how World War I started. And it began with the assassination of uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand. He was the, uh, basically the crown prince, the heir apparent in Austria-Hungary, which was a, a pretty significant, uh, I guess, player in, in, in Europe at that time, uh, in a city by the name of Sarajevo, uh, by some Serbian uh, nationalist or, or terrorist or whatever you want to call him, separatist, uh, a guy, well, actually a collection of assassins, only one ended up actually uh, succeeding, uh, but a collection of assassins that, that wanted to, to basically kill him uh, because they, they were upset with, with the fact that they lacked autonomy at that time. And of course, this set off this this huge uh, chain reaction of events that ultimately led to World War I. Uh, you had this, this situation where all of a sudden uh, the Russians sided up with the Serbians and the Germans sided up with, with, uh, with Austria-Hungary and then France sided with Russia. Germany made a mistake and invaded Belgium and then the UK joined in as well and then of course later on the US joins and, and then there's a bunch of ton, ton of, of other smaller players and that's why it's a world war. And, and, and I don't want to go too much more into the history specifically of World War One, as interesting as it is and then what ultimately brought it on, and, and was this a black swan event? And well, I think it was a black swan event, but was it just by kind of mere coincidence, or was there more to this? Well, that's all uh, interesting and whatnot. But but what I want to talk about rather is is sort of the parallels between that situation and today's financial system. And I know what you know at its surface, people that are, are I don't want to say naive, but new to this may think is is that you know you can't make a comparison between a world war that killed millions and today's financial system. And, and to that, I would say, 
You're right. I mean, the collapse of, of today's financial system uh, to, to today's economies around the world may not be as destructive as World War I. But to, to most people around the world, it would be extremely disruptive. And so what, what's really interesting is, is you know, prior to the onset of, of World War I, you had this situation where all these, these, this web of, of alliances was created in Europe, largely by the guy by the name of Otto von Bismarck, this, this German uh, diplomat who, who really masterfully created this. And, and to his credit, actually, for quite some time, uh, stopped any you know, major wars or even minor wars in Europe from, from happening for, for quite a while. But eventually he was removed from his post by the uh, Kaiser in, in uh, Germany. And, and the, the, it's sort of like, a, a, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good comparison, but, but it's, uh, it's like an old car. Right, owned by some you know old man who knows his car very well, and when something's wrong, he knows how to fix it. And when he ultimately passes on, and, and somebody else takes ownership of that car, uh, they probably just won't know their way around. And it's sort of the same situation with with German or European politics following his removal. Uh, all of a sudden, there's this intricate web of, of alliances, and nobody knows quite how to maintain it. And and the parallel here is, of course, to today's financial system and this intricate web. Of, of markets which are on the surface totally separate from each other. I mean, what does the corporate debt markets here in the United States have to do with the Eurozone? Or, or what does China's pork market have to do with uh, you know, the U.S. Treasury bond market? I mean, it seems all, all separate, but, but it, it is all intricately uh, uh, interwoven all of these different markets, much like the geopolitical situation in Europe prior to World War I, uh, where, where markets and, and risk and volatility can easily spread from asset to asset, market to market. Uh, and, and with today's uh, technology, with today's uh, um, prevalence of, of AI and algorithmic trading, uh, it can happen in, in a split second, quite literally in a matter of seconds or minutes. This whole thing can come crashing down. It's, if anything, looking for that that black swan event, that assassination, that, uh, um, you know, of course, in the case of World War I, but, but there's a whole host of things that could serve as that, that black swan this time around. And that's what's really interesting to me. I mean, what else is interesting to me is, is that, you know, as I said, there's this Otto von Bismarck who... who took all this time to, to prevent, you know, these major wars and, and really, you know, to the benefit of, of Germany and the German people for so long. And in many ways, I would say, you know, I, I don't know if, if you'd have a positive or negative view on him, but I would compare him to somebody that I have a rather, or an entity that I have a rather negative view on, and that would be like the Federal Reserve or, or central banks and governments and their insistence on preventing any small-scale disruption in, in markets and in assets and in economies for the last 10 years, right? They've, they've time and time again gone through extraordinary measures to, to suppress volatility and, and pump up certain asset prices and, and keep other ones uh, lower and to manipulate interest rates and currencies and all of that, all in hope of, of keeping this relatively stable world intact, even if it means sacrificing uh, economic growth, 
even if it means massive redistribution of wealth and financial repression and higher inflation, those are all as, as deemed by the Fed and, and other central banks and, and world governments as, uh, I guess, losses that they're willing to take. Those are, are things that they're willing to happen in the name of, of stability, the status quo, whatever is politically expedient over the short term. But but what it has led to has it's led to this first of all situation where we have stocks at like all time highs. We have on, not on the backs of fundamental growth in profits or economic growth or anything like that. Largely on, on the back of, of debt and, and credit growth and, and and liquidity growth and stock buybacks and all that. Right, not on on real solid fundamentals. Um, you have the situation where where volatility is is at a very low level. Uh, a, a term that I don't use too often on this podcast, but but is huge to to everything we talk about, and, and I do indirectly mention it because I mentioned some of them. Uh, derivatives, the derivative markets here in the United States and Europe and elsewhere, held by hedge funds and traders, and and of course banks uh, are, I mean, number in the the trillion, uh, not trillions, quadrillions, likely of dollars of of derivatives worldwide. Derivatives are of course assets or markets that are. Uh, uh, linked to to asset prices or certain events and are influenced therefore by those uh, what it means because of this massive spread of of derivatives and the suppressed volatility and these pumped up asset prices is that hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That if we do receive some sort of a shock to the system, a shock to the system that is so abrupt and severe that the Fed and central banks and governments are unable to react in time, you have uh, set in in uh, uh, basically a chain reaction, uh, set in motion, a series of events that resemble those that led to the beginning of the World War One. Right, all these different nations uh, taking up sides and and forming alliances, and before you know it, within a month. Uh, hostilities kick off and they don't stop for for many years and, and millions of, of deaths later. I mean, that's sort of the reality that we are are moving towards in the financial system. Now, we might not be talking millions of deaths, so believe me, when it comes to inflation, when it comes to economic depressions and, and all of that, uh, it absolutely can lead to, to nasty outcomes in terms of, of political upheaval and revolutions and major conflicts that could easily surpass the, the death toll for, for either world war, given today's technology, given today's... I mean, that was the other thing about whether we're talking about these these geopolitical outcomes following some sort of a major economic economic or financial uh, uh, collapse, uh, or even just a financial collapse or financial crisis in the first place. You know, just like prior to World War One and, and probably prior to World War Two as well, there was always this notion that it, it would never happen. It would never actually come to a head. Uh, and yet it did. 
right? Time and time again, we're faced with those types of situations where nobody believes it can actually happen until it actually does or until they actually see it in motion. And, and that's absolutely true for a collapse of stock markets or the dollar or, or whatever. But, but we have the situation where, where these are all so, so closely interconnected. I mean, and the black swan, the assassination of Franz Ferdinand uh, in, in 2020 or whatever year, pick your year. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be an assassination. I mean, certainly that, that would fit the bill, right? If we had an assassination of a major world leader uh, or, or, or something similar to that. But, but I'm talking it can be uh, so widespread, whether it's geopolitical, whether it's a natural disaster, an earthquake, uh, a major hurricane, uh, um, a solar flare, uh, you know, there's a whole host of different black swans, and then black swans are, in, by their nature, pretty unpredictable. So I'm not going to spend time predicting what it is. But what I can say is that today's financial system is set up in such a precarious system, uh, such a precarious way, uh, in that it necessitates this massive amount of of easing from the Federal Reserve, money printing, repo market operations, QE, and and very similar actions from from uh, the Bank of Japan, the People's Bank of China, the, the European Central Bank, as well as uh, uh, huge intervention from governments, just to keep it afloat, just to keep it all from falling apart. You know, this would be like if in World War One, prior to World War One, there was this constant diplomacy, uh, uh, d- diplomats in countries pulling all the, out all the stops, like on a daily basis, just to stop things from devolving into full-blown war. I mean, that's kind of the situation that we're in today, financially speaking. And to the average person on the street, this is not apparent. Not a whole lot has changed in the last 10 years, except that, you know, their wages have hardly grown relative to inflation. But hey, their 401k is looking fine for those that have, you know, exposure to the stock market. That's looking fine. People have noticed increases in prices. People have noticed uh, the, the burden that is healthcare or housing or education or even just basic expenses like, like like housing uh heating your house or, or or buying food or whatever i mean people have noticed that uh people go through hardship because of that but there's not we're not in full-blown crisis mode and, and to most people it's not apparent just how precarious today's system is set up as i said before it it without the fed and their constant repo market operations their quantitative easing uh their their four plus trillion dollar balance sheet which in and of itself is is supporting the system low interest rates this whole thing would fall apart right uh and and it would fall apart in a very ugly way right i mean you can pick you know just a simple scenario we could go down is is let's say three months from now we have this situation where economic growth is slowing i'm not talking full-blown recession i'm just saying slowing near that that zero percent level uh and and you see certain sectors of the economy uh, manufacturing and transportation continue to struggle as they have but then you see the consumer the consumption part of the economy services and things of that nature begin to slightly roll over as well and all of a sudden because of that you see uh, a drop in in future expectations for earnings right and so already it's been set in motion the situation where because of that there's there's a large amount of, of corporate debt that suddenly is downgraded by by some of the major rating agencies from 
on the brink of junk bond status to junk bond status, or, or some call it today, high yield bonds, corporate bonds, right? And all of a sudden, you have, have, have a very large amount relative to the overall amount of, of high yield debt uh, enter this, this high yield category. And all of a sudden, uh, the, uh, there's a huge amount of supply that's added, and yet demand is, is fairly constant, right? High yield debt is oftentimes bought by, by investors, by, well, I mean, generally by investors, but, but it's held in, in various you know, ETFs or funds or whatnot. But all of a sudden, uh, the supply has, has increased drastically, and the demand hasn't. Therefore, the price declines. Right and yields spike in these in these corporate bonds, right? And you see other corporate debt, uh, investment grade, or, or those that are closer to now being on the brink of, of high yield debt, uh, moving up as well. Uh, even as the spread widens, though, and, and high yield debt clearly is getting the worst of it. Um, and and all of a sudden you have a situation in one market, a corporate debt market, which has been in bubble territory for a long time, popping. And then spreading to other markets, you see it in the equity markets, you see it in the uh, government bond markets, precious metals, uh, currencies, um, other types of interest rates. And all of a sudden, the whole thing comes crashing down. Now, granted, the Fed would likely, in something that's drawn out as this, attempt to intervene. But the whole the whole point of everything I talk about here at, at the Silver Fortune podcast is that the Fed has and will continue to to do everything they can to hold this together. But at some point, all the QE, all the money printing, all the helicopter money in the world, all the debt monetization, all the fiscal spending, all the tax cuts in the world will not only not be enough to, to slow down what's happening, but if anything, we'll just be adding fuel to the fire, which at this point very likely will be an inflationary fire. Right. Uh, so that's what's on my mind this morning. I guess we're after noon by the time I'm recording this, but that's what's on my mind today. Right. These these similarities in history. Right. It's, it's often it's often been said that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And and look, uh, maybe this is, is some sort of a, a one of those biases or whatever, where I'm just looking for something and then, hey, I'm, I see it everywhere I look now and every time I listen to podcasts like this. But I, but I think the, the similarities are uncanny. And this isn't the only, you know, World War I is, is a famous example of a powder keg uh, being lit by a fuse. But there's many other examples throughout history. And I think today's financial system, one day uh, we'll look back and realize that that was, maybe many of us realize it now, but that, that was a powder keg. And we were just waiting for the right uh, um, fuse, the right spark to, to set it all off. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast and God bless.